This episode of NFI Studios Podcast is brought to you by AGS Architectural Grills and Sunshades. AGS is an industry leader in custom design, manufacturing, and delivery of exterior sunshades, grills, light shelves, and trellises for architects and contractors nationwide. You can find them at www.agsshade.com. That's www.agsshade.com. Welcome to the Edify Studios podcast, discussing the shift of architectural concepts into actual solutions, disrupting the current status quo, and having a blast the whole time. Here are your hosts, Brad Glauser and Brad Walker. Hey guys, welcome back to the Edify Studios podcast for episode yeah. number two. <laughs> Listen to oh, that. Oh yeah, that wizard. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. Welcome back. That's right. We Holy are catfish. Look at us. <laughs> Continuing. The they, design- have, they haven't kicked us off YouTube yeah. yet. We're still here. We are still here. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, man. Good times, right? Yeah. Good times. Crazy since uh, the la- not to just jump in, but yeah, late. let's do it. Since the last one, uh, which was technically our first episode, we've Correct. been putting out a, a lot of parts and pieces and then we've been segmenting and giving it out to kids as little chewable bites to put in their yeah, lunch boxes absolutely <laughs> um but what an incredible amount of just feedback back uh, you say it best when you talk about our industry in terms of how they work on social it's media. such an interesting thing to actually engage in this industry with um the glass glazing architectural world and building envelope world in my opinion i mean i've been in this for 15 years so i've seen a lot of the a lot of the industry across nationwide and one of the funnest things to do and to see is 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 that each one of you guys out on social media, if it's LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, uh, you guys each have your individual sandboxes you play in, and we get to actually come to you guys on each one of those. But what's so great is is that there may not be all the likes or the views that are there, but then the engagement, man, is in this in this level of almost a voyeurism. That's what I call it, right? Like it's this, a super voyeurism. Yeah, it's like a it's a place like I'll watch what's happening. I'll see what's going on. Am I going to make sure it's a public like so that other person sees that I liked it? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It depends. And on, everybody sits in a weird box. Of, right. If I like it, is somebody going to say that? Am I right. going to be part of this? And I don't want to have the opinion. Or of should that I comment and, back on this? And and generally, like maybe we're just all snarky individuals in this industry, you know, soups, you know, or just passive aggressive, but much. no, but we've actually had some really positive feedback come back through the individual channels, Oh yeah, you know, like, like legitimate yeah. heartwarming. Yeah. Uh, it's been great. Uh, again, the, the first, as we started to put this out, everybody, you know, came out of the woodwork and, and was, you know, giving us the ribs we talked about last time. Yep. Uh, this time it's, it's, it's genuine and it's, uh, it's something that I hadn't seen before. And I just want to take, a quick second yeah, off, off script here and uh, just mentioned that, that there was some uh, a gal that <laughs> shared our podcast. Yeah, she shared Her it on is, LinkedIn. Uh, she shared on LinkedIn. Gretchen, Gretchen Manco. Could be Manco. M-A-N-C-O. Don't know. Uh, but it was overwhelming. She said, uh, official first episode. Worth a listen. Some takeaways for me included extended opportunities and the uh, early collaboration across their hierarchy hierarchical and disciplinary structures making decisions faster and being ready to pivot because there's almost always a pivot and early on highlight and integrate expertise on third rounders 
in order to provide greater value, blah, blah, blah. But it was it was incredible. I don't mean to blah, 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 but, but, but it's a lot of words. Uh, it was just overwhelming to see somebody yeah, that's, not that's only super nice, forward actually. on something that we did. That's incredibly nice. Most people just delete, right? <laughs> yeah. I would. Or just keep scrolling with their thumb, right? It's just like, well, that was good. Well, on Mike, to the next, on, on to the next one. <laughs> no, it's great. Thank you. Huge. That was, Huge thank, thank you. you so much. That was awesome. And I actually got a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I made a connection on Pete, uh, on LinkedIn with uh, Mr. Pete DeGorder. I assume it's Pete DeGorder. I assume that it, that's what it is. Yes. You know. Pete DeGorder, reach out to us and let <laughs> us know if we're saying DeGorder right. Yeah, exactly. I have last name Glauser, so it's I've done Glauser? Glauser, Glossner. Glossner. They'll put an N in the middle about it. Glosser? So, anyways, Pete. Glosser? Let me know. So we wanted to give him a shout-out because he, he – uh, he pushed me a LinkedIn message and he goes, yeah. Hey, thanks for the connection. I've been enjoying the first two podcasts. And then he asked the question, is this coffee, Brad or whiskey, Brad? Like, look, okay. It's <laughs> legit though. It's legit. No, it was, it was great actually. So you got coffee, it was, Brad it was here. Coffee, Brad, whiskey, Brad's over here. There you go. Exactly. No, but Pete actually is a, if DeGorder Inc, he is a glass processing and equipment supplies guy. Um, he's just as nerdy as we kind of, <laughs> kind of conversated into it a little bit further. And I was looking at the the specialty pieces as far as how glass is fa- fabricated, processed, and then basically put on a project. He'd one he'd wanted to be get that looking up architecture. Yeah, you know. So don't forget Pete, to look up. Here's a shout out to him if you guys actually want to reach out to him. It's www.degorder.com. That's d e g o r t e r. dot com. So check him out, you guys. We appreciate all the support that you guys have come from us. We'd love to actually give you guys a shout out. On the show, um, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Why don't you take care of those handles, my man? Yeah, yeah. For Instagram, edify underscore studios and edify underscore BW. There you go. Last uh, episode, <laughs> I said underscore B dub, <laughs> as some people refer to me as, and that is actually grammatically incorrect. It's a B and a W. No, and as we check in, I want to make sure that we just say thank you. To the individuals that have reached out, we got a few awesome emails. We got some really dynamic content that's oh. kind of come out of it. People that we're going to have on the show um, coming up in the next few months. Um, this summer is pretty good. There's going to be some sneak secret uh, secret shows that we'll probably release out here in the next uh, um, uh, next few months um, as we go through the summer. Go through some of the industry events. Um, yes, it's we're going be, to invade. Yeah, we're going to invade your space. That's right. We're going to come straight at you. So another quick uh, check in, my man. How are you been doing? What's been going on with you lately? It's been great. I've been, uh, you know, it's been incredible weather. We, yeah. I know we talked about that last episode, but it's literally it's so good in the Northwest. It's, though, it is, when it, it's when hard, it's good, though. You know, it, it is unbelievable when it's when it's good, but it's a hard transition because uh, we don't have that that climb back up to temperatures. No, that, that some other you know places get. We get we go from like 40 to 75 to right. 80 to 40 again. Right. So we are cyclically always in this weird zone of, I have no idea what to wear. That's why Pacific <laughs> Northwest is always getting joked on, but it's, it's, true. it's a lot of stuff that you have no idea. It's layers. Yeah. <laughs> we're layers. So we can just like unzip our fleeces. Yeah. Well, we were at a meeting the other day. It's just like, Hey, what are you going to, what do you wear to the golf course? Oh, just a hoodie and shorts. Right. Because you don't know, you know, no idea. <laughs> At the end of the day. So just enjoying the weather, doing some, you know, getting the yard kind of up and going, yeah, which absolutely. has been just a monster this year with the snow we had and everything like that. So uh, that's been overly dramatic. And then just 
enjoying uh, a single tier, no spoiler alerts, uh, the winding down of Game of Thrones. Uh, Everybody's right. got their opinions. I have, have really enjoyed uh, everything to date. Me too. Uh, loving it uh, tremendously. It's been a great one. And then excited uh, to jump into the new uh, season of Sneaky Pete on Amazon Prime, which just just dropped a new season. I haven't seen uh, just I, a couple days ago. I haven't dove into that one, so I guess hit any of Santa Clarita Diet from last one, uh, and then also Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. I think I watched good. the pilot episode. It was a couple of years ago that I did that, so it's I've a gotta, good one. I've got to jump back in it. It's it's a good one. So for me, my my check in. You know, we always got the shows we got to talk about. Killing Eve. I dove into. I don't know if you've actually – so it's on BBC Network, but it also is on Hulu. So that's on the uh, – oh, my gosh, man. So Sandra Oh is in it, okay? Oh, no, right, no. Yeah. I, okay. Sandra Oh. Hold on. Right? Come on. We When we, when we, when we were uh, on spring break, okay. my kids kept seeing commercials for Killing like, Eve. For Killing Eve, and they were, like, twerked out, like, a little bit, like – What's that? A little freaked by yeah. just by some of the. I have no the idea promos? what it's about. Just the promo. It's super dark, right? No, it's actually, not. that's the thing is, is it comes across promos these promos are like, like a little bit dark, dark. And, and weird, but like you actually get into the show. Okay. No, All it's right. not super dark, and that's what I thought when I first watched it. I was like, mm, is this going to be that way? But the char- the characters in, in it are just, yeah. Sandra does an awesome job. Same with. Uh, there's a British actress, um, oh my gosh, that actually plays, well, you'll get okay. into it. Okay, you'll get into it later. She is awesome. phenomenal. She was international assassin. I can give oh. you that, right? And she is incredible. So that's that's one I've been diving into lately. It's on my list. So. Wrote it down. No, on but then list. and then the other thing I wanted to actually show is we got this little gift in the mail th- this week. Look at that. Check this out, right? So... This is actually from Safety First, um, introducing a revolutionary fire-rated product. We talked a little bit about it, um, uh, I think, on the intro episode, um, back with Safety First, um, with Tim Nass's wonderful voice, which... Oh, yes. I remember that? He loves his voice. He loves his voice. Yeah, you do, buddy. Hi, Tim. But the cool cool thing about it, like, so in our industry with um, product, dis- um, product representation and a lot of making sure we can get products to an architect's office or to someone's home... So I was schlepping around those huge samples that are absolutely heavy, especially fire-rated products that are just out of this world heavy. We got this in the mail today, um, or actually a couple days ago, and it was just awesome. I thought it was rad. So it's the new um, – f- go ahead. I think I think the, the, the big thing for me about this yeah. is typically you have to schlep like a 12 by 12 sample Correct. of glass to get, the, to get the story told. Correct. To tell the story of what the glass is doing, what it's trying to do. Uh-huh. This glass tells the story – without a 12 by 12 sample yeah so you it does you should you should check this out but but just 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 take it out for a second and just show them that so check just this that out piece. so this is the super clear 45 right so see this little tiny um square inside here check this out so this would be in lieu of a ceramic glass or a wire mesh glass or something that you're traditionally that going to relight into something uh ultra clear so, ultra clear. Yeah, it has an ultra clear option. So it's a low iron, um, 45 minutes, um, super clear 45 HSLI. HS is for the host stream. So it's host stream tested. And uh, low iron or LI is for the low iron. So awesome. you guys can actually request these on safety first, um, safety.com. That's S A F T I.com. Um, stands for safety and fire rated technology. 
Um, awesome, you guys. They actually are revolutionizing not only products, but actually how you witness them and experience them. I thought that was pretty revolutionary. It is, it is it great. Pretty cool. It's great. It's a great one to know about. And you guys can join them at the AIA conference coming up at uh, booth 7413. That's 7413 um, at the AIA conference on the first weekend of June, June 6th through the 8th. So AIA conference in Vegas. Yeah, great people. You can go high five probably Diana and yeah, Tim. Absolutely. Go give them a high five. Uh, talk to them about Netflix shows. They yeah, love right. Netflix shows. They do love Netflix. Yeah, you talk, got talk yeah. to them about talk it. them about that stuff too. They're so. good people. Yeah, just absolutely. good people. Uh, speaking of people, speaking of people, we got to get to work. Let's do it. Uh, last episode, we dove into Design Assist. Specifically, took time to go through the people. Correct. Um, in that, I mean, we took a microscopic stab at it because, uh, as we all know, that was a that was a, a very high level view at a very giant topic. So we are probably going to go back to that one a couple of times because there's a lot of ways to look at that. And I'm actually going to be curious to hear uh, more and more as people get a hold of the episode to understand a little bit more about how they think about it. But that, that part of the process right. um, sort of leads us into what we think of the meat of it is, is the, the process part yeah. of the design assist process or process <laughs> process for our friends to the for, North for the brothers Canada. up North. Absolutely. The process. Yeah. No, I thought it was good to actually address. So that's something that you've gravitated to, and we've, we established that as like the first rounders, second rounders, third rounders, understanding that, that constructability aspect of the third rounders actually can be brought up yeah. to the first rounders level. And so on that premise of it, I think I'd like to kind of like talk a little bit about the process inside one each one of those rounds and why it, it can be so applicable. Sure. Um, uh, in the architectural design assist process. So we've got design assist is the overall topic. And then we're going to dive into the process today and then really understand making sure that we understand the, just what's, what's under what, from the architectural perspective, um, from a structural perspective, mechanical perspective, and um, a lot of the different engineers and those uh, stakeholders in the project when it comes to engineer of record and architect of record and so got forth. Got it. Got it. So where's the, where's the, where's a good jump in? So I think moment. a good jump in is, is just to kind of some state the obvious. So you know we we think about architecture in a linear path. We we talked about last sure. time. We think about okay, we actually have a schematic design drawing, a design development drawing, or SD versus DD sets, and then we're going to go into the CD sets. And so those that process is still valid within the AIA world, and I think those things are there from to make sure that we have kind of like a structure of it. Um, so we can have a language talking to it from a process standpoint, SD to DD to CD. However, 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 comma, however, comma, I think what's happening within architecture, especially within envelope um, construction is, is that is that you have inside the um, when you actually establish a project going actually into it to say, OK, here's the mechanical engineer of record. Here's the structural engineer of record. Here's the architect of record. And, and then here's even sometimes the design architect, depending upon if it's design or architecture of record, if they're okay. out of city, if they're actually going to hold the license in the state, right. some of those things. Now, each one of those parties, you know, even, you know, in architecture alone, actually have the requirements to fulfill a project. So you have mechanical guys and the mechanical re um, engineers that are looking for um, envelope products that are going to meet certain design pressures um, positively and negatively. Um, you're going to be looking at the structural guys, be looking at movement of products on the exterior. And then um, ultimately is just to make sure that the design intent is is there. So as you look inside each one of those buckets, then now you look inside the process to meet those requirements. Typically in the 
SD, DD, CD process, you're looking at it overall saying, okay, let's let's lead with a um, uh, kind of a performance base, but then let's let's make sure we just kind of put a specification out there that meets that performance base and copy and paste from a previous project. Sure. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Get through. Get through it. And it's a it's a thing where I I think is has been done over and over again. But I think if you actually reverse engineer the processing rather than just leading with a product in order to get a performance so you can actually manifest a project. Right. Right. Yeah. So no, I think that makes a lot of sense Uh, to, to look at it from the, uh, the, the outside in perspective or uh, sort of the, not, not a reverse engineering, but you're going to look at it from a standpoint of the structure or the building or the, the exterior facade or envelope itself and not, necessarily specific components tied to specific manufacturers of specific, you know, not all those things, but to, to look at what is the building going to do and how is it going to react? Well, and, and that's, that's the issue is from a process standpoint is, is that now you, this design intent from a mechanical structural and, des- and aesthetic standpoint, you think that certain products are going to actually meet those things first. So you start with products first and then coming back into it. I think that's actually forcing that person into the Island of one yeah. which we talked about yeah. earlier. And it's actually removing the fact of like, okay, who is the first, who is the third rounder that understands the application right. that can come into that first round experience and then extract that, does extract those informations. The first thing that we lead with on projects is a design criteria. Or should be. Absolutely. That's, that's our want to know uh, right out of the gate. Right. Because that's going to define so much of what's going to need to happen, Absolutely. whether it's something you can do or it's something you need to create yes. or something that is a, is a hybrid combining <laughs> right. like pollination from a bunch of different sources. Totally. The design criteria is everything. And totally. so people that have worked with us, you know, in, in the past are going to, to, to chuckle when they hear that because yes, that is uh, a sentence that we've thrown out too many times is, do you have a defined design criteria? And they go, well, we will we'll calc the job, and it'll, it'll be calced after the shop drawings are drawn. That's adorable. Oh, cool. And I get it. You know? I get what you're saying. If no is the answer, that's fine. Because you can, well, you can go and source a lot of the information, and you can piecemeal <laughs> together uh, enough to get going. But really, that's going to be the absolute, right? Right. Like, it will it, be. That's going to become your roadmap. For everything that you can do. And people generally associate design criteria as after product selection is done. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this this is the reason why we're talking and breaking apart the process standpoint of talking about those first rounders and saying that the first rounders are interested in the the making sure that those mechanical, structural, and design aesthetic can be done. Right. Now that third rounder comes in to that first rounder experience and says, extracting the design criteria at that moment like that's it's a it's that's why i'm saying it's a flip-flop experience for all for a design assist process is establishing that design assist cri- or design criteria up front at that point now the question is is that possible Oof, that's a that's <laughs> a big one that's a big question no it that's is a big question and i'm curious to know if you think it is no i get it it's so the, the issue is, is we think that down the line, that design criteria of what exactly some of the reinforcement's going to be and some of those things is, 
is, is that, yeah, that'll eventually be nailed down to like the microsecond, 32nd of an inch as far as what steel bar is inside that vertical mullion. Sure. Yada, yada, yada to get the right eye value out of the place. <coughs> but it's an understanding that that, that design criteria is 100% the first thing in the process that actually can be developed up front in the first round. Do you think that in some instances they jump over that and want to go right into product selection or product recommendation or do they jump over the criteria and design elements that need to exist within the systems? Do they jump over that to, to, to grab onto something because it's, it's a known entity to be uh, a player in the industry or it's a no, it's a name like, like Kleenex or, or whomever do they, right. do they jump over those things to get to here because they figure that'll just have enough information. Generally they'll say like, Oh, well that's been tried and true on many projects. Let's just use that. It's still that same copy and paste method. And the reason why I would kind of ask to like, to, to ward away from that is because you're going to, you're going to force it into a, a difficult budgeting process and a difficult design intent process. And the reason why is, is that, is, is after the design and actually like really like you got to dig deep in order to actually say, I can actually develop that design criteria up front. Right. And that's why I would kind of like challenge you guys as you go into these projects, require design criteria, require it that it actually can be developed up early up front and very, very early. And I'm talking about getting it from the mechanical structural and that design intent and then establishing almost in a submittal format Again, you think that that's even third round or like way late in the process, but establish that design criteria in a submittal approvable format where the entire thing is going to be become a part of the contract. Right. Because what it does is it allows that's for a cornerstone of the entire process to flow properly through. Now you're developing thermal. You're making sure the thermal requirements are there, the structural requirements, the seismic requirements. And then the overall design aesthetic can then flow from that to be met the overall budget can then flow from that to be met, right? And then at least it, the understanding is is that as we flow down design intent, I think these are the other two places is you actually, you, you stake a claim with that design or that design criteria up front. Then as you flow down design, what happens after that? Like what, what do you do to actually make sure the design intent is being met? Well, there's two paths that actually happen okay. from- Interesting. From, from that is is that making sure that um there's this remember okay the only the the phrase that comes to mind is put your pencils down <laughs> sure yeah i mean <laughs> as you as i'm writing as you as you're writing <laughs> but it is it's it's a path where you're actually going to drive down the design path and actually now and also but then kind of sit not necessarily in a backseat driving standpoint but also it's allowing that professional from the third rounder to come into that first round, second round experience and say, okay, what are we going to do to meet the design intent? Now, people think from a third rounder experience that, okay, we're going to have a, um, uh, we'll have an estimator give it and then we'll do it. We'll look into a, a buy, buy out the package. And then after the package is bought out, we'll give it to a project manager. That's right. a very linear format. Yeah. In this format, I'm going to challenge that. Okay. I'm going to say, the project manager needs to be first. It's got to be with super involved with the with the estimator and with with that budget driving thing because 
it's making sure that the the stakeholder at the very end of the game is that project manager. Oh, without a doubt. To run that project all the way through, to make sure he understands he's he's getting it way too late in the game to to then actually fight against the process. I think the smart idea within the, to meet design intent and budget is to have that project management at the precipice for it because he's going to be executing that as it comes down the path. And that's a huge that's a huge piece of the process that I think it is. gets undervalued uh, a lot of times during uh, the design assist is these subcontractors, right. uh, whether they're a, a facade or any any of the others that are part of it. The subcontractors, uh, I'll go into into the uh, building envelope guys, the glass and sure. glazing guys. Do it. Um, they're not selling glass and they're not selling aluminum and they're not selling doors and they're not selling windows. Uh, they're, they're sure as heck not selling sealants and joint and caulking. Really what they're selling you is project management. Yeah. I mean, that was my thing forever is I didn't care what the glass or the sealant or the door, what that was. What are you really selling? Project management. Yeah, you are. Cause that's what gets it done. That's what gets you through the whole process. That's what gets you to the right spots and then the heck off the job site, right? That's the goal. The goal is to go get Absolutely. what you need done in the right way, yeah, on time, and then off the job site. Well, and that's the reason why. Like, so you, you notice through that whole process, I bringing the project manager. That project manager is generally kind of left to like a later on process. Okay, well, what am I installing? Oh, you're installing XX system with XX glass. Okay. Um, is this the right application? And all of a sudden, there's this vetting process that happens so late in the game, causing this massive schedule delay or massive vulnerability to schedule and cost, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and in, 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 in all these first rounders are looking at and second rounders are looking at is like, are we going to meet schedule? Are we going to meet design intent? Are we going to meet performance criteria? Okay. Do you know who manages those three things? Sure, estimate or make sure that those costs are aligned and we're gathering the no, vendors, no, we're gathering those things. it's not them. But it's not the estimator. <laughs> it's not them. If that project manager actually is the one that executes the work. So you said something to me a couple, it was a couple weeks ago, you said that product selection and product and product scope are very different things. Wildly different. Okay, so that I want to lead, lead with product scope to base upon design intent okay. and then allow that to see what a product selection is going to be. Flipping it again, like literally, is just turning this entire process over, saying that we're actually going to start with project scope first. So talk on that. I want I want to actually hear your opinion as far as why that's so super different. Yeah, I think that, that a lot of times they get caught up on the, the product – Th right. They're trying to put a product in in the placement. They're trying to use this product as uh, a part of the facade, right. but they're not really looking at how do, how do you want this scope to go? Yeah, it's not just because if you get that one product, uh, that maybe takes care of a part of the problem, but yeah. not the problem. <laughs> so exactly. understanding, you know, let's say you want to have this entire side of the building open up. Okay. You can't just go, that's going to be a, a, a blah, blah systems. That, yeah. that, that's going to be blah, blah systems. But is it their, their HS, their BS, their FS, their UTK? Right. There's a million systems even within that. And then what happens with all the, the structural that you need? And what happens with all the, <laughs> the, the, the cladding that you need on top of that? And then the thermal breaks and, and 
everything in the tracking system and then how's that and that's you're describing the you're describing the whole reason why they start with the product find out what the design criteria is afterwards no we're starting with design product criteria scope, first like the scope yes, the scope is deep absolutely and that product that they're slating takes care of a part of that correct but there are so many other parts and that's even assuming that that product actually does what they're thinking that the product will do. And that's, you know, neither here nor there. That's that's to, to source in um, later and figure out, okay, are they the right ones? Are there two or three options we can get to? We want it to lift up here and separate there. And uh, that's that's a product piece, but the scope. Yeah. They are similar in that they are going to be part of the same thing. But they're not the same. Like beans and chili aren't the same thing. Yeah, they might. <laughs> That's true. It's the only way I can think of it in my brain right now. <laughs> beans and chili aren't the same thing. No. Some people might think that they are. Right. Some people might want to just think, well, there's beans and chili. Maybe. Maybe. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not in Texas. Depends. <laughs> All depends. <laughs> no, it's a, for me, I look at it, and the reason why I want to ask you the question is because I think there's, and you, you bring light to the subject is, is that the leading leading off with a product solution in order and then eventually getting to a project scope and a project manager, I think the whole idea of is actually to flip that back and say, okay, look, this is why companies are actually starting to develop, develop pre-construction managers, almost bringing that project manager that's been seasoned for such a long time to bring them into that early design process to make sure that they're there's so much uh, street credit and there's so much um, like you just understand like how certain things are going to flow and why certain things like what happens when a like, radius comes to a corner. What happens when a lot of those different circumstances come in is, is that you might be leading with a product that can actually develop, maybe get like 85 percent of your building. But those that other 15 percent that's going to cause all of the problems is going to be seen by the project manager of how to execute those areas. So that's why you're actually leading with that 15% first of the difficulty and then allowing it to expand from there. But you get that because that person that's going to execute that project, that project manager, is going to come back into that beginning part of experience and then lead that off with a budget balance. Absolutely. They're going to take that and drive it the, the distance that needs to be driven uh, in lieu of somebody that would maybe be forced to do it from the general contractor's team or somebody who's so overwhelmed trying to get their stuff done, but it's been just thrust on them from the architectural team and, right. and they'll get through it and they'll churn through it. But I, I, there's, there are people out there that can, can better fit uh, the solve. No, for sure. Right. Yeah, no. And that's the reason why I, I kind of challenged the whole linear path of saying it's going to happen with estimator and then buyout, and then supply chain, and then project manager. I think that the, that the that the whole industry needs to actually support the process of bringing that project management in early to make sure you can drive that design. Do you feel that that has a positive, negative, or no effect on the budget? I think that project managers. Um, align with general contractors and owners perspectives a lot more um, not necessarily that they ignore the architects for it i think they're there to execute the design assist but it's more of making sure that the dollars and the dates will be managed properly sure and so to answer your question is is that dollars are a huge issue they when coming huge to issue. a project manager 
Well, and that's why that's why I bring it up. I almost bring it up jokingly and ribbingly to a certain degree because for uh, sure, at, you know, in in, this, in the world of sales, which everybody is in the world of sales, I don't care what your job is. <laughs> exactly, you're selling what you do. Yep. Um. So in the world of sales, if every company let their project managers estimate nobody would get jobs, right? <laughs> because it would have, well, you didn't even think about the hundred extra hours I had to do babysitting these guys to do this. And right. So there's so much thought that can go into it that obviously estimators and, and pre-construction and VPs and, and those are the people sure. who are going to put a price together and then <laughs> it's going to become the PM's problem at some point. Well, I think it be, that's the reason why I say that the project manager and estimator kind of have to live together in that world of pre-construction and, and design assist. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a place where that, that iron sharpens iron, right? Right. We've right. talked about that in previous things and other, se other sections is that estimators are going to understand the horse sense of where, where things are, where things are actually going to be manipulated from a cost standpoint to make sure that the right bucket of money is set up for that solution. And it's, and it's making sure that the input of from the project manager is going to be coming in to make sure that those certain thing foundations from fabrication hours or installation hours are going to be concerned because I mean, and there's a couple projects, one project comes to mind that, that when we are looking in from like a window wall to a curtain wall experience is, is they want to say, okay, window walls notoriously less expensive from a curtain wall experience perception wise. Sure. Right? And, and there's even some true validity. There isn't true validity from a lot of ways that they're different, but go on. No, I think that it, that it comes down to the fact of saying that, well, it's, it's not necessarily the, the window wall is actually less expensive than curtain wall. It's saying, what does the project actually require in that overall thing? In this case, there was actually a lot less window wall on the project than there was curtain wall. And so as opposed to actually coming up with a minimal, minimal amount of window wall on the project, just to basically achieve a minimal budget, let's actually look into how we can optimize the curtain wall, use the same system to engineer it, Right. Use the same system to install it. Use the same system from embed layout. Use the same system. And, and all of a sudden, you're creating that parodying commonality process across yes. a project that a project manager brought to the estimating process right. to then say, oh, nine bucks a square. No, no, no. Hold on. I can actually save that in field and fabrication installation and embed layouts than the overall experience for like what on paper a per square foot cost is going to give you. Yes. No, Absolutely. And, you know, and that's 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 a whole piece of the of the process that is is still somewhat new, I think, to a lot of it is a lot of firms, especially a lot of the subcontractors and a lot of the even general contractors. Yeah, um, because I think that falls in into more of this new and I, and I say new because it's always been there. But there, I think that over the last five years specifically, yeah. there's been a stronger focus on what is called the pre-construction. Yes. Part. Like it, it used to be the free construction, which is where they would try to get all the juice for free. Right. And all the answers to the test for free as they could get. And I, hey, I respect it. I, I <laughs> gave a lot of answers. Sure. Um, but now it's really rolled into a, I can't even afford pre -con or free construction. Right. I can't afford how long free construction takes. Because the process is going to just, just take forever. And weeding through the information and trying to put it into a digestible format. Uh, but the pre-construction part of this 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 industry has uh been newly developed yes uh it was a you know it was a hybrid mix of uh project management and uh business development mm -hmm. and early works and 
all of the parts and pieces that were part of the, the whole global build, um, looking at it in the early stages, not right. firefighting as much no. down the road, like right. uh, really putting emphasis. And so there's a lot more people uh, dedicated to the pre-construction part, both from, totally. uh, we, we're seeing a lot of people transition over from the general contractors uh, world from uh, whatever they were in the company to a pre-construction role. Correct. To an early development role. In the development or owner standpoint. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the um, the owner uh, the developers and owners are actually starting to self perform in that manner too because of those roles are being fulfilled inside those companies. So it's it's an interesting kind of like as those those worlds are coming apart, they're actually saying like we can get a lot of value out of this pre construction process from a time standpoint yeah. and money standpoint by by taking projects that would normally take 36, 40, 48 months to do that we're actually looking at in a twenty four to 22 month build process just because of that early design assist involvement. Right. Right. So now the question comes up and I'll ask you, I'll ask you this, okay. like you're involving project management, you're involving um, engineering to make sure that design criteria is correct. You're involving some structural calculations preliminarily to make sure that these things are developed. Then like this is, this is typically where, like in the overall process that we talked about earlier in a traditional format, that's typically where money is spent with those three resources, real money, right? Yeah. That that's where, that's where real dollars start to become consumed. And, yeah. and that's where real transactions start yeah. to occur uh, is exactly right there. So now if those pro if those resources are being brought earlier in the process, because there's a value on how they execute in a good time and budget standpoint, is there now value to pay for those process, pro, those, those resources early? Sure. I, I think so. Okay. I think so because really what you're, if you think of it as, as a global budget, uh, what, which we in the industry term is a bucket of money. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, or buckets is, yeah. is, 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 Scopes is, is, money. is, is. <laughs> uh, you're just pushing it from one bucket to the other. But the, the, the news about bringing it to the, to the front of the job instead yeah. of the, the back of the job Correct. is that if you bring it to the front and you're going to spend it, but every dollar that you spend in the beginning is going to hopefully save you at the end as well. Well, the time, man. Like, just like you said, he's getting off that project. Everything's time and money. Absolutely. Everything's time and money. So the efficiencies that you'll gain in that you're, you're understanding a more global sense of what this facade is going to need to be right. uh, from a product standpoint. So understanding all of the things that it needs to do, that's maybe going to whisk away nine out of the 12 options of <laughs> uh, product. Yes. No, that's Quick, quickly and, and, and efficiently. And then the other side is, is you're going to work through hopefully a lot of the heartburn that the, that the manufacturer needs to try to catch up with, later where right. all of this has been decided and all of this needs to, to be worked out and worked through. And then later on down the road, they finally actually get to bid it the way that it needs to be done. And everybody's a little reluctant because there's not enough time maybe in the job right. to effectively do everything that needs to be done uh, in terms of getting it tested or getting it configured or, or trying to figure out you know, how many dies is that? So is that compressed because it's so compressed at the end or it's, is, is because it's mean? so compressed because the process has, has gone so far and they, 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 everybody assumed because they, they chose 
brand X or brand Y that a lot of those solves were going to come easier yeah, or that they would just be part of the, you guys have done millions and millions of square feet of, of curtain wall or storefront or whatever. How do you not have something like this? So I yeah. think just trying to compress it um, at the end, it, that's where dollars are spent poorly. Yeah. That's that where that's you where they're wasted to a certain degree because at that you have no time. So it has to be money. Yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. You have no time, so it has to be money. Interesting. That's actually an interesting takeaway. Is is that when 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 compressed? No, it is. Like that's <laughs> that's actually a really pretty good aha moment. So when you're coming down to the fact of of using those in, of of waiting to actually spend money on those resources, is that you don't have any more time anymore. Exactly. It's all it's all time or money. The entire project is time and money. So if you if you use your time, yeah. To value your money correctly. And who are the resources that uses that time and money? Every, well, I think, well, that uses it the right way. I'm just saying from that three, those three resources standpoint, when you know you're going to be spending time, you know you're going to be spending money as the project manager, that that engineering yeah. aspect and that structural calc. All those are, are going to feed that beast oh, yeah. Absolutely. later on. So you use the time that you have because it's one of those time. So many of these projects have so much time. And then it's something you and I say all the time is they all have time until they don't. Until they don't. Right? Everything yeah. is, everything works until, until it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> so it's it's the same kind of thing. Use that time to value the money over here so, it, so you don't have to spend money to get the time you don't have anymore. Right. Exactly. So that's the that's a complete and total trade-off for, for those parts and pieces. And it becomes... And, and this is, I'm going to be a little unfair to, to a couple of people. So remember earlier I said, you sometimes you just walk in a room and pee on people's hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This is maybe one of those moments <laughs> and I'll get some foul emails for this one. Or do whatever. it up, do it up. So part of the problem as I see it, and there's no problem that exists in, out there when I say part of the problem. Sure. Part of what happens in these projects is that compressed period at the very end okay. where they're, they're selecting, um, the subcontractor or they're selecting things down the road. Maybe they've even been on board for a bit, but they're actually trying to get some things going. The biggest thing you always hear is, is, well, why isn't that, you know, they, they always want to point to something that is tried and true and it, it needs to be a tested, absolutely proven system. Right. And it has to be, has it met this and this and this where in this day and age, specifically in the Seattle market, right. Um, we are pushing architectural boundaries beyond where they've been before. Right. So that's a responsibility of architecture, though. That's a responsibility of architecture. A hundred percent is, is, is thrust and go and drive and, and absolutely be out there. But the, the real deal is that there's no, there's no off the shelf solution for these things. There's no tested. If you're actually one of those projects that is, uh, you know, an incredible amount of, uh, intense geometry and really just pushing the envelope literally yeah. <laughs> just yeah, exactly. really expanding on, on what is happening on the exterior facade. Just understand that if it's a custom system that's coming from somewhere, it's going to uh, be lacking something probably. Sure. Whether, you know, has it met this, this thermal dynamic? No, but we can make some modifications and, and test it. That is the way that it needs to go, but that needs to happen over here. Yeah, you know that's 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 the and we're starting to see it more. Is a lot of these uh, architects that do have these 
facades that are pushing boundaries and limits. Totally. They are making the right calls early. Um, we hear about a lot of these projects where it's, it's in this super infancy. Um, we're trying to figure out, is this a thing? That's the right time to really be valuing what the, 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 the overall aesthetic and the scopes are going to be to start creating, I think, the design criteria. Well, that's, that's my issue is making sure that the design criteria leads first. The project management engineering skills actually become to establish that design criteria and then now extract and execute that project balanced with that estimator. Yeah. And then, but to bring those and to pay for those resources up front because that's when the time is actually available. Sure. (laughs) It really is. No, absolutely. You know, and it's, so I think the challenge of the process is, is, is to question, is to question the process of a traditional, traditional buyout method. And, and not to question it to the fact of like buck the system or be that thing, but just as we're pressing the boundaries of architecture, press the boundaries of the process to actually become more efficient and to become more transparent in the overall architectural buyout experience. Yeah. So design assist is to, develop, is, is to develop a team that's going to assist the design extremely early on. And that value of dollars is, is extremely minimal to the amount of time being saved and the amount of stress that's being relieved, relieved, in, yeah. or or and, and not compressed towards the end of the project when you don't have time. Right. Super smart, man. That or was money. actually, or money. <laughs> you have no time or money in a lot of those <laughs> you know instances. So that that's where it becomes really really hard to figure out what the heck we're gonna do, right? Well, and it, and through that process, you'll get to product. Yeah. No, absolutely, and 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 I think that this is going to be. Boy, this has burst us into a whole it new, is. a whole new uh, zone, and I think that 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 what we should dive into uh, either next or in, in yeah. one of the upcomings is is really starting to get into the budget. Yeah. Okay. That's because a good idea. Because I think budget in 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 a, in the rawest purest form uh, really tries to push a lot of these things one way or the other. Okay. Um, my quick belief on the budget is that it's it's too much. This is a precursor for next episode, I guess. Yeah, here we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, to me, the budget becomes too much of a, of a like shell game to a certain degree or follow the queen, where it's more like a, I want to make sure I don't leave any money on the table. So I want people to come to me and tell me what their numbers are looking like. The best way to get your budget going is let your people know what the budget is. Yeah. I mean, just start with the budget because what – what value comes from if you have a $8 budget and every one of the subs <laughs> says it's $22. Right, exactly. That could have been solved day one. You could have sent out an email that said, my budget's $8. Do you think we'll get there? And maybe everyone would have responded no, and it would have taken you one day. No, I think that's a good part of the process to divide it into because there's actually some key takeaways from a VE log that we'll get into. Yes. From um, uh actually creating transparency between each one of the the rounders first second and third and then making sure that they understand it there's some actually interesting takeaways that i've got from it that we'll go into it uh, there's a couple projects in portland that we did that we were able to actually save a lot of money on general conditions by yeah. doing some of that stuff um, that's so, interesting. so that's interesting so some uh so some interesting stuff i think coming up this is a good place i think to tie it off yeah um we anyways thanks so much for for and again make sure you actually 
comment on some of this stuff. We want to hear some of those those feedbacks of like what your success stories have been. What's some of the things that you try to avoid in some of the projects? I think um, one of the biggest things we find in our industry is, is, well, this is what we don't do. Right. Right. Yes. We don't do X. So some of those process um, key takeaways is I'd love to hear what you don't do. Absolutely. Right. I think that's a good one. No, that's a big one. And then I think something we'd like to try tying into into future shows in, in certain ways is just um, the, the sharing of a more global uh, information. Yeah, agree. And, and so from that standpoint, when it comes to uh, products or solutions or new things that are coming out, uh, or even if it's something that's old and it's been out for a while, it's, it's always amazing for me to understand when somebody in Seattle is looking for this unicorn of, right. of a fix on this job. Totally. And to find out it's been done in Long Island for like three decades. Right. <laughs> and this one place just churns this one, you know, fastener out or whatever. Exactly. So if there are favorite products, if you have a favorite uh, new architectural envelope product, a new totally. architectural solve. I know you talked about this new uh, uh, glass that is being uh, yeah, put absolutely. out by safety first. Something like this. If, if there's a new uh, fancy X that you're stoked about, whether you're the manufacturer, whether you're a glazing subcontractor who's installed it, whether you're an architect who's who's seen it on a couple of projects, uh, let us know about that. We'd love to know about that stuff and 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 keep keep pushing the word out of of, of, of pieces like that, um, just to keep the circle you know going. <laughs> so let's go to the next segment of the show, man. Um, let's do this. So edify top two. Top two. And if I top two for episode number two. Yeah. You got it? You want to you jump into your... I'll your, jump in. So okay. this uh, this past weekend um, was Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? So happy Mother's Day. Belated. Happy... happy <laughs> to every one of you mothers. <laughs> happy belated. It was, a great, it was actually a rare experience. I got to spend Mother's Day with my mother. Oh, that's nice. So it was a good... Um, that's she, nice because she doesn't live No, she here. doesn't live here. She's about 850 miles away yep. um, in southwest Utah. She, she came up and visited this past weekend. Um, and, um, shout out to like, so top two is, is that it was a graduating weekend for a lot of graduates out there. Huge. So I want to say like, congratulations to you guys and just entering the workforce or coming back into the industry, um, is a big deal. I got to see a couple of graduations or, you know, a lot of graduate students this weekend. Super awesome to see the spirit of the millennial class. Um, uh, we would, uh, you guys can teach a lot of people, a lot of different things because of how connected and how integrated your guys' generation is. And I learn from you guys every single day. So I just, anyways, congratulations to you guys. Yes, you, sincerely. You guys made, and then I think that's the first one. And then you guys kind of made me dip into my nostalgic mind. So it's my 20 year reunion coming up. Oh, no way. Yeah, man. So, uh, and so I've been listening to a lot of nineties music. Oh, <laughs> Glycerine. Yeah, exactly. Bush, right? Glycerine. So going on. So spending with Mother's Day, graduation, and going back down into the, some of those nostalgic <laughs> moments. One of the stories was um, just remembering how I actually um, like collected music back in the day rather than like, okay, it's Spotify and whatever the one I want to listen to or if it's Amazon Music or something. Whatever you want right now. Whatever I want, right? Oh. So like back then it was Columbia House and BMG, right? So then it's like 15 CDs for one CD or whatever, plus shipping well, and handling. 15 CDs for a nickel. Right. But you had to buy 10 <laughs> exactly. CDs at $1,000 each. 
I think BMG also owned a collections company because I think Did they 90% really? of the teenagers pay? never paid. Well, see, That's that was the very interesting thing. There's just all these different like hacks of way to actually get it. So you get oh, like sure. 19 CDs for like 13 bucks. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, so at the end of the day, to create everybody, that- they still won. Like, CDs oh, they did. cost like a nickel to make for them. So yeah, that's but fine. at the end of the but to create that book, you know, oh, of yeah. CDs that everybody had. So, anyway, it was super nostalgic weekend. Top two takeaways 90 music and graduation. Anyways, so that's, good. that's a good one, right? There so good. <laughs> oh, yeah, 90s music. Like, we can, we do a whole episode on that. Absolutely. One. Next episode, we'll have a underlying tones. In, in, in this segment right now, as Glauser's talking, I'll dub in some 90s music. It'll Deal. Be, it'll be that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Mine, pretty simple. Um, I like things, apparently, more than, like, you're the sweet, nostalgic, <laughs> ah, get memories and on, graduation and flowers. And <laughs> I'm going to talk about wild turkey. So uh, I love wild turkey, and everybody. This is a whiskey. This is a whiskey. Yeah, everybody uh, who who thinks of whiskey, they they, they're just like because wild turkey was always this traditional, like well, uh, whiskey for a long time. I've always enjoyed uh, their whiskey, their rye whiskey, Uh, their seventeen year uh, master distillers that they do. Right, Uh, and they they do a lot. uh, They have another brand called Russell's. Uh, They do really really good stuff, but they just put out one uh, pretty recently. Uh, called Long Branch, and it's actually like a it's a joint vintage venture with like well, not joint venture, but Matthew McConaughey oh, was like involved in that one uh, pretty pretty heavily. Okay. So they put it through some Texas like charcoal and Texas mesquite, but it's a whole process. It's just a bourbon, but it is it is really cool and it's really dynamic. And uh, I had some of that this uh, weekend, and it was it was worth sharing. It was on worth this sharing for me. And the second was uh, I had a birthday not that long ago. And happy birthday. Thank you so much. Happy birthday. So kind. Uh, unprompted completely. Totally. Uh, I treated myself or treat yourself, as they said on Parks and Rec. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Well, that's right. And I did. Uh, <laughs> and I got myself uh, just one of those standalone Oculus Go. Uh, oh, you did? VRs. And it's just so fun. Really? It's so dumb how easy and simple it is, but... The, and I know a lot of people have been on it for a long time and have rocked several generations of it. Uh, I'm old, whatever. <laughs> so I've got it. I've got this one now, and it's just it's been just super fun. The whole family has actually been super into it um, because it, it's not tied to a machine. It's not tied to a thing, so you can do it anywhere that you want. And we had a blast. So uh, for me, it's it's just you know to have a. Have a have a whiskey and VR out, I guess. Oh, jeez! No, not at the same time. Maybe not at the same time. (laughs) But those are those are my uh, edify top two. So, yeah. No, and you guys share your top two. If you got something you want to put a hashtag edify top two on it, yeah, that would be awesome. We would love to hear you guys from it. Um, on get us on Instagram again. He actually put the handles out earlier, but I'll put them out now. So it's edify underscore at bw for Brad Walker on the other side, and then um, at edify underscore studios. This direction for Instagram and also Twitter. And um, hit us up on LinkedIn, um, Facebook, and make sure you guys 
keep participating in the show. Keep sharing yeah. this across. And, we and even just if, really appreciate it. Sincerely. And, and and even if it's just to, just to keep the conversations going on some of these other levels, because we're just social people yeah. as it goes. We're just literally two butterflies who can't get enough of, <laughs> of contact with other humans. But, uh, you know, uh, B Walker at edify-studios.com and B Glauser at edify-studios.com. That's our Hit email. Hit up. Ask him about coffee and why it's bitter and how long to roast it or what a bean yeah. What a bean I'm, is. I'm just or... trying a Kona coffee out right now that my brother actually farmed about a year ago. Oh. Yeah. So killer stuff. If so, you guys if you guys want a sample, coffee. let me know. <laughs> Seriously, let me know. he's got a whole bagging system Absolutely. and all this stuff. So if it's about coffee or if it's about any of that stuff, hit it over his way. Uh, food, big time foodie, anything sort of uh, in, in that vein, if it's whiskey or wine or or technology. If you have a VR game, let us know what your favorite '90s songs are. Yeah, that would just, be a good one. Let's just let's just uh, keep all of these conversations going. Let's connect, and and uh, that's gonna that's gonna bring a lot of strength in our industry. Is just a continued connection between uh, worlds that didn't have as as broad of a, a ability to, to interact and touch before. So yeah, absolutely, I think that'll keep it keep it all going, and that's. That's what I have, man. I don't know. No, I love it. It was a good one. It was great, man. I appreciate you guys joining us here today for Edify Studios Podcast. Please be sure to reach us out on social media and also share it with your uh, with your everybody. people, everybody in the office. You know, Shout it from the rooftops. We'd love to hear it. Anyways, we'll catch you next time on the Edify Studios Podcast. Peace. Peace. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Edify Studios podcast with hosts Brad Glauser and Brad Walker. To learn more about Edify Studios, visit www.edify-studios.com. That's www.edify-studios.com.